Good morning, everybody. So good you could be with us today. I'll be speaking from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, primarily. Our theme for today is believers must encourage one another with the certainty of Christ's return. A doctor wrote a letter of thanks to a school teacher for having given him so much encouragement when he had been in her class 30 years earlier. He later received this reply from his former school teacher. I want you to know what your note meant to me. I am an old lady in my late 80s living alone in a small room, cooking my own meals, lonely and seeming like the last leaf on the tree. You will be interested to know that I taught school for 50 years, and yours is the first letter of appreciation I have ever received. It came on a cold blue morning, and cheered my lonely old heart as nothing has cheered me in many years. The doctor in our story received encouragement, and I'm sure he appreciated this note from his former teacher. The elderly teacher in our story received a letter of appreciation and in the letter encouraged and cheered her up when she was feeling very lonely and down. The Thessalonian believers received words of encouragement from the Apostle Paul, and no doubt they appreciated the Apostle Paul's words of encouragement. The Apostle's words to believers today our strong encouragement to believers. Let's open with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity we have to look into your word. Soften our hearts and open our minds. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to read a passage from the book of Acts, chapter 17 verses 1 through 4, on the background of the Thessalonica church. When Paul and Silas had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus, Paul said, I am proclaiming to you is the Christ. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. Women, listen to the testimony of the 
Thessalonican believers from verses 6 through 10, chapter 1 of Thessalonians. You became imitators of us, Paul says, and of the Lord, in spite of severe suffering. You welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. In chapter 5, verse 9, Paul makes reference to the wrath of God. In the book of Revelation, John the Apostle writes about the wrath of God unleashed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And in chapter 3, verse 10 of Revelation, he assures believers that they will be kept from the very hour of the wrath of God that's to come. Now, the outline I'll be using today is 35 or 36 years old. I wrote the outline for the newsletter put out by East Community Baptist Church. I had the privilege of pastoring there for close to 10 years. First off, let's look at the reality of uninformed believers and of others who have no hope. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. The Apostle Paul visited Thessalonica for a short period of time, possibly a few weeks. We know for three weeks he reasoned with the Jews in the synagogue, three Saturdays in a row. And so he possibly stayed around for a few other weeks, and he taught the believers there, the young believers in Christ, much Bible doctrine. What the Apostle Paul was able to teach the Thessalonian believers in such a short period of time is truly incredible. The Thessalonian believers believed in the imminent return of Jesus Christ. That is, they believed that Christ could return at any moment. I believe that. And the church has believed that for 2,000 years. Christ could come today. Listen to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. They waited for the Son of God. The Greek word carries the idea of waiting up for someone 
to wait up with expectancy. One year when I was a young young boy, it was either my brother, older brother, or one of my older sisters. They stayed up with me on Christmas Eve. My parents were out at a, at a party, I believe, and uh, we waited till after midnight. They were trying to tell me there was no such thing as Santa Claus. And we waited and waited. I think it was the t- after one o'clock in the morning. No Santa Claus. And I was truly let down. Such will not be the case with the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ will come again and receive his children unto himself. Now the problem in Thessalonica was that as they waited expectantly, many in the church were dying. They thought to themselves, what if the Lord should return? Would my deceased loved ones miss out in the future blessings to come? The Thessalonians were in the dark and needed answers. They were uninformed on this matter and needed light. Remember, the Thessalonian believers did not have a Bible like we have today. They had to remember what the Apostle Paul had taught them, maybe a few years removed. Now the Apostle Paul mentions those who have fallen asleep. That's a euphemism for death. The deceased appeared to be sleeping. The soul spirit of believers has gone to heaven. The body remains on earth and appears to be sleeping. Jairus' daughter, in Mark chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus tells the people there who are grieving for the daughter, Jairus being the ruler of the synagogue, and weepers are crying and crying, and Jesus comes and says, she's only sleeping, and they begin to laugh at Jesus. And Jesus raises her from the dead. Lazarus. Jesus said to his disciples, Lazarus is only asleep. He's sleeping. And he raised Lazarus from the dead, who had been dead four days. Stephen, one of the first deacons in Acts chapter 7, verse 60 is said to have fallen asleep after being stoned by the religious leaders of the day. My mom and dad, when their services came, I looked down into the casket and my mom and my dad appeared to be sleeping, as did my younger brother who went to be with the Lord at the age of 56. And then Paul talks about not grieving like those who have no hope. These are unbelievers. Unbelievers have no hope of bodily resurrection to be with Christ 
they will experience a resurrection and be given a body that will be able to endure the punishment of the lake of fire throughout all eternity. But they will not receive a glorified body to rule and to reign with the Lord Jesus Christ. One day I was called on the phone and summoned to a hospital, regional hospital. And one of our members there was getting ready to go to be with the Lord. And the family called me. And I arrived and I brought my Bible with me. And one of Reuben's favorite texts was Psalm 23. And no sooner had I read the final word than Reuben took his last breath and off he went to be with the Lord. The room was packed with people. It erupted with screaming and yelling. And I know for a fact that the majority of the people in that room were unbelievers. They had no hope, as do the rest of believers who do. Secondly, the reason for our hope. Verse 14a, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. You see, we believe that Jesus rose physically. Jesus rose bodily from the grave. Mary Magdalene saw, heard, and touched the risen Savior, according to John chapter 20. In Matthew's account, Matthew says two Marys were there, and they heard and they touched him. Matthew 28. Peter and John saw the empty tomb and the grave clothes. The Lord Jesus Christ appeared to the apostles on a few occasions. They saw, heard, and no doubt touched him. He asked Thomas, see my wounds. I have flesh and bones. Encouraging him to touch him. They also ate with Jesus on at least three occasions after his resurrection. The risen Savior appeared to more than 500 believers at one time after he rose from the dead. Jesus appeared to his brother James, who according to John chapter 7 verse 5, did not believe that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah. But he later came to faith and became one of the heads of the early church. Christ appeared to Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. And Saul, who later became the Apostle Paul, was not a believer in Christ. He wanted to snuff out Christianity. And he saw the risen Christ. The resurrected Lord appeared to two disciples on the road to Emmaus. They saw and heard him. He took bread and broke it in their presence. 
You see, Jesus was not a spirit. He was a physical, material, risen Savior. And Philippians 3.21 says to us, Christ will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. That is the reason for our hope. Thirdly, the reassurance for grieving believers. Verse 14, the latter part. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. So we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. You see, the Thessalonians were confused. What about my loved ones who have died? Well, according to this verse, deceased believers now in heaven, in their soul spirits, will accompany Christ from heaven when he returns for his bride, the church. Just think, deceased believers of over 2,000 years will come with Christ in their soul spirits. Their bodies will miraculously be put back together and transformed in the twinkling of an eye. What a blessed assurance. Listen to John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3. Jesus says, In my Father's house are many rooms or many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that where I am, there you will be also. So Christ will come and raise the deceased bodies of saints from over 2,000 years, put them together with their soul spirits in a new glorious body, and off they will go to their father's, to the Father's house. Four, revelation directly from the Lord, verse 15. According to the Lord's own words, own words, I, we tell you that. And he goes on. You see, the Apostle Paul either received direct revelation from the Lord Jesus Christ, or he's passing on recorded teaching from Jesus, unrecorded teaching from Jesus that we just don't have any longer. Either way, his teaching are the authoritative words of Christ. Notice that Paul included himself among the living group, and he, he evidently expected to live until the return of Christ. He said, We who are left at the coming of Christ will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Paul believed that Christ could come in his lifetime. He didn't. But you see, believers need to live with expectancy and believe in the imminent return of Christ. Christ could come today for his church. 
the bodies of dead Christians will be resurrected immediately before living Christians are raptured. Let's look at the return of Christ. Verse 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with a trumpet of call of God. Christ himself will personally come back for his bride, the church. Remember, the Lord's return is imminent. He could return at any moment. In the Jewish wedding ceremony, custom, a young man would go to the home of his prospective bride and pay a price for his bride and get permission from his from her father. Then off he would go and prepare living accommodations to his father's house. And sometime after, usually about a year, according to the Jewish encyclopedia, he would come for his bride, and he would not come to her home completely, but come near her home, and someone would shout, Behold, the bridegroom comes. And she was to be ever ready for her bridegroom. And she would come out, meet her bridegroom, and off they would go to his father's house where he had prepared living accommodations. But what about the voice, the commanding voice and the the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God? What do we know about this? Listen to Dr. Warren Wiersbe, now with the Lord, but a great Bible teacher. Three unique sounds will be involved in this event. The Lord's shout, or a command such as an officer gives his troops, the voice of the archangel, and the trumpet of God. The Jewish people were familiar with trumpets because trumpets were used to declare war, to announce special times and seasons, and to gather people for a journey. In the Roman Empire, trumpets were used to announce the arrival of a great person. When God gave the law to Israel, the event was preceded by a trumpet blast, according to Exodus 19. This happened at Mount Sinai. Well, there is a great person coming, and he will gather his troops, the church. Sixth, the resurrection of all deceased saints. Verse 16, the latter part of the verse. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with a trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. We saw that already, so he's already said it twice. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 51 through 52a. Paul says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep or die 
but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable. Again, I repeat, the dead will be raised miraculously and given an imperishable body. When I was pastoring, I had a member of our church. He was an engineer by trade. His name was David. And one Sunday morning after the service, David came up to me and says, Pastor George, do you know that East Community Baptist, our church, will be the first ones raised from the dead? And I didn't know where he was going with this, so I said, what do you mean, David? He said, well, the Bible says that the dead in Christ will rise first. And then he said with a smile, you can't find a deader group, deader group of believers in this church here. <laughs> he really set me up beautifully. After the dead are raised, the removal or the rapture of all living saints... Verse 17, after the dead are raised, we who are still alive, again Paul includes himself, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds. So after the removal or the rapture of the dead saints, the living saints will be raised and given a brand new glorious glorified body. Listen to this story. It's from David Roper, who used to be co-pastor with Ray Stedman at Peninsula Bible Church. He says in this story, Years ago I heard a story about a young man looking for flowers for spring planting. At the greenhouse he came across a golden chrysanthemum bursting with blooms. To his surprise, it was hidden in a corner and growing in an old, dented, rusted, rusty bucket. If this were my flower, he said to himself, I would place it in a beautiful pot and display it proudly. Why is it confined in this old bucket and hidden away in this concealed place? When he remarked to the owner about the flower, she explained, Oh, I started the plant in that old bucket until it blossomed. But it's just for a short time. Soon I'll transplant it into my garden. The man laughed and imagined such a scene in heaven. There's a beautiful one, God will say the product of my loving kindness and grace. Now it's confined in a broken body and in obscurity, but soon in my garden in heaven, how tall and how lovely this soul will stand. So we may now be planted in bent and battered containers. All I have to do is look in the mirror and it, it tells me that for a short time while our Lord beautifies our souls. But as we have borne the image of the man of dust, Adam, 
we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man, Christ. Then he will display his handiwork and our loveliness for all to see. This is our assurance and our delight. And then David Roper finishes with this little poem. In bodies that will never grow old, will reign with him through years untold. O precious thought, we all shall be with Christ through all eternity. What a pleasant thought, isn't that? A brand new, glorified, resurrected body. I collect these coffee mugs from Denny's. And uh, on one of them, it has a grumpy-looking face. And written over this grumpy-looking face are the words, Bah Humbug. But the moment you pour hot coffee into this mug, the face is suddenly transformed into a smiling face. And it says, Happy Holidays. That's what happens when Christ comes into our life. He can transform a grumpy, lonely old person into a smiling believer who's looking for the imminent return of Christ. Christ can come at any moment. And he'll glorify this battered body that I now have. Listen to the reunion in the clouds, the latter part of 17. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. What a reunion time is coming when we are reunited with many of our loved ones who have gone on to be with the Lord. I'll be reunited with my mom and dad and my brother and many other loved ones from Blossom Valley Bible Church who have gone on to be with the Lord and friends from years past. What a reunion that will be. Saints will be gathered from a period of over 2,000 years, the church, and there'll be a reunion. Listen to this story. It's one of my favorite stories. A man found a wallet in the street one day. There was no identification inside, only $3 and a crumpled letter with a barely legible return address on the envelope. When he opened the letter, he discovered it had been written some 60 years ago by a woman named Hannah. She was explaining to a man named Michael that her mother wouldn't allow her to see him again, but that she would always love him. Apparently, Michael had dropped his wallet on the street. The man who found the wallet set out to find Hannah. He located her in a nursing home. 
She was now 86 years old and had never married. There had just been never been anyone like Michael. As the man was leaving, the doorman noticed the wallet and said, That's Mr. Goldstein's. He dropped it somewhere. He's one of the old timers on the eighth floor. The man who found the wallet immediately went up to see Mr. Goldstein, who was now 88, who told him he had never married. There was no one like Hannah. The man who found the wallet said, I think I know where she is. And he escorted Michael down to the third floor where Michael was reunited with his beloved Hannah. Three weeks later, Michael and Hannah, ages 88 and 86, were married and their love was sealed. Apparently it was a true story. Ninth, we will remain with the Lord Jesus Christ forever. Verse 17, we will be reunited with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. We will meet our Lord in the air. In our, in our brand new glorified bodies and we will return with him to the Father's house. There we will stay for seven years while the worldwide tribulation is taking place on the earth. At the end of the tribulation period, lasting seven years, Christ will return to earth with his glorified bride. He will establish his earthly kingdom of 1,000 years on the earth. Believers will play a part in the kingdom. In what capacity, I don't know. But I know we will play a part in the kingdom. How we live now, how faithful we are now, will determine in what capacity we'll serve during the kingdom. After the millennial kingdom of 1,000 years, eternity will begin. In closing, the responsibility of all believers. Verse 18. Therefore, because of all that I've just said, the Apostle Paul says, therefore encourage each other with these words. You see, each of us has a duty, the responsibility of coming alongside of others in the body of Christ to comfort or encourage them with the following truths. In summary, the Lord himself will return for his bride, for his saints. The dead saints will be resurrected and the living saints will be raptured. Both will receive glorified bodies. Loved ones will be reunited. We will forever be with the Lord. 
Christ will take us to his Father's house. Now, if Christ were to return today, say in five minutes, would he find us ready for his return? A little girl had been listening while her mother's friends were speaking about the return of Christ, that it was imminent, it could happen at any time. After some time, she was missed. The little girl was missed, so her mother went out to search for her. She found her daughter looking out a window at the top of the house where they had an attic window. The mother asked the daughter what she was doing. And the daughter said to her mother, Jesus could come today, I heard you saying downstairs. I wanted to be the first to see him. See, Mommy, I washed myself and I put on a clean dress. How will Jesus find us if he were to return today? Would he find us with clean clothing, washed and ready for him? Listen to 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, as I close. And now, dear children, continue or remain in Christ, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Are we ready for Christ's return? It could happen today. The Apostle Paul was ready. The Apostle John was ready. Others throughout church history have been ready. It's our responsibility to be ready and to encourage others. Believers must encourage one another with the certainty of Christ's return. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to open your word. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The words thank you hardly seem adequate when we're trying to express our gratitude towards the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's the heart behind those words is what really makes a difference. And it's the heart that the Lord Jesus really wanted all along. Let's take a minute. We haven't done this in a while, but let's take a minute in our homes, have some quiet time before the Lord, and, and, and just thank Him for the gratitude we have towards Him. We remember the night that the Lord Jesus instituted what we call the Lord's Supper. And reading from Matthew 26, it says this, While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. Gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Brothers and sisters, let's share in this body together. 
Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Let's take the juice. Father, thank you that you loved us so much. We can only say it in words, and it always feels like it falls so short when we say that. But Lord, look at our hearts. Look how you've changed our lives. We've responded to the words of life, and we have a new look on eternity. Not one of fear, not one of trembling, but one of genuine hope and an assurance of salvation thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for his sacrifice, what he did for us on Calvary. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Yeah.